Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. How are you doing today, tonight? Uh, how was your week? How was since the last time I talked to you? Hope you guys are having a wonderful evening. This is another amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, brought to you by Geek Vibes. Uh, you know, we do a whole entire thing. We do shows. We got Geek Vibes Live on Saturday at 8, and we have a website that you can find at Geek Vibes, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that type of stuff, you know. So we're, uh, we, we got a nice little show tonight, and before I introduce my, uh, my wonderful co-host, um, let me just go over what we're going to be doing. Of course, you know there was a fight that happened in New, New Japan, uh, Dominion. Uh, the whole entire card I heard was really good. I've seen highlights of a lot of the matches, but Okada versus Omega 2. We're going to review that tonight. We're then going to talk about the predictions for Money in the Bank this Sunday for WWE, who we think is going to, you know, win the whole entire thing. And then we're going to attempt, we're coming up with the top 10 favorite modern wrestlers. And what I mean by attempt is, like, hopefully we uh, get along when we're doing this, uh, while me, Juwan, and Chris list our top 10. Afterwards, we're going to play the game that Juwan's done many times with us, where we basically start listing the wrestlers that we think should be on top 10 until we only get to one of who is the best today. Usually it's not really an opinion. It's kind of like just forced, and a lot of people just get angry. But, hey, it's a lot of fun. So since I'm done with all that, if you guys want to join the conversation and not be a giant a-hole, call 929-477-3781. You'll be listening. At that point, press 1, and I will get you in for a question or a statement, and uh, hopefully you're not a dickbag. But uh, let's get to our co-host. Hey, Chris, how is it going? Uh, have you, are you having a good evening, a good week? I haven't talked to you in like an hour. <laughs> I'm having an amazing week, man. It's been really good. Uh, lots of good wrestling coming out of Dominion. Um, man, I'm I'm kind of stoked to do today's show. I'm liking we're doing something different, so I'm excited. I hope everybody else is excited as well. Well, Chris, if they're not excited, then, you know, that's their problem, unfortunately, because they're listening at that point and just going with us, and we appreciate that at Wrestling Geeks Alliance. So keep on chilling, doing your thing, and uh, like I said, uh, enjoy the show. We're going to have fun with this, um, and if you want to call in, I gave the number. Once again, it's 929 Call in. Tell us what you thought about Okada Mega, Money in the Bank predictions, and then what's your favorite modern wrestler? It's all to come. Uh, so, Chris, I'm going to send it to you so you can kind of go over a little bit of Dominion, um, some of your highlights, if you will, since I only watched the uh, the last two matches, basically. And then we'll go over Kata Omega 2, which sounds kind of like a crazy video game from, like, the 90s on Sega. But whatever. Man, there were three great matches on the show that everyone should probably check out. I mean, of course, the biggest one being the Okada Omega rematch. But... Uh, I know we're going to go probably go into that in a little more detail. So matches that you need to watch coming out of this was uh, Takahashi versus Kushida for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, as well as uh, Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi versus uh, Tatsu Nato for the Intercontinental title. Um, and then, of course, the big, the big guns at the top, Okada and Omega. All of these matches were absolutely incredible. Um, the the Tanahashi match was amazing considering Tanahashi has a, a pretty sizable injury right now, and what they were able to do was pretty awesome. Uh, NATO specifically was working 
his arm. So hitting like drop kicks and things in the arm to help sell that uh, actual injury. Uh, um, the fact they were able to get that match out of each other, can, all things considering, it was incredible. Uh, I would say it's, it's one of the best matches I've watched this year. It's probably not as good as Dunn versus Bates, but it's up there. Um, so it's definitely something everybody should check out. And then Kushida just constantly impresses me. But going to the top, I guess, what, what were your thoughts? I know you watched the big one, the Okada Omega. How did you feel? And how did, did you think it compared to the first match? And then I guess I can go into it in some detail about what I thought and kind of how I felt about it. Well, one thing I was going to ask you before we go into Okada Omega 2, um, with Tanahashi winning the uh, the Intercontinental title and having that injury, do you think that was smart booking-wise since he has an injury and now he's you know, going to be defending the title? Or does he not have like a tele-defense and like a window so he can heal the uh, bicep? I'm assuming that they're going to give him a little bit of a window with G1 coming up uh, because, I mean, the focus is going to be on G1 in the tournament not necessarily that title uh, specifically. It seems like they've almost, they're going to almost reintroduce this title, and that's kind of why they've had NATO destroying it. I think NATO's in, in for a big push uh, with everything he's been doing. His current Hill run has been incredible. Just uh, If you haven't seen it, just look up some gifts of him throwing the title belt. If you've been on Geek Vibes Live, it's amazing. Probably it's freaking incredible. He's had some great matches this year. Uh, the the weird thing is, like, uh, Shibata's injury, I think, kind of threw them in a little bit of a spin with what they were going to do. I, th- I think they wanted to originally go Tanahashi versus Shibata because I don't think Shibata was going to rematch against o- Okada before you get to, you know, Omega again. So, it, bar, you know, with Shibata's injury, um, I think that kind of threw a kink in their plan. So I'm assuming, you know, with Tanahashi, he's still probably going to work through this injury. I don't think it's um, – you know, there's ways to get around it with the way that they book shows. They might book them in some three-man matches to to build feuds or however they want to handle it. So uh, the, the match itself was was phenomenal um, from both of those guys. There was, a, like, a ton of counters, um, a huge, like, there was a huge spot at one point. No, I guess it was towards the very end of the match where you had, like, a uh, high angle German suplex, into a uh, tornado inverted DDT and then uh, attempt to pin and then right into uh, eventually a, a clover leaf after NATO went for the uh, high fly flow. He missed and then Tanahashi just picks him up and puts him in the clover leaf after selling the majority of the match. I mean, the ending of that match was just absolutely amazing. It's totally worth going back and watching. But as far as like what they're going to do, uh, I'm assuming they're going to leave the belts on Tanahashi until they can build someone up to to come after it, or it'll at least set up a NATO uh, Tanahashi rematch. So we'll see. We'll see where they go. But that's my guess is they're just going that belt's going to be kind of in the wings um, while they get through these the big American event that they have coming up with the crowning of the U.S. Uh, the U.S. title and all of that. Yeah, I I, uh, I really liked a lot of the stuff. I, I need to watch the whole entire match. I need, I like the highlights that I watched. Those guys are both incredible in the ring. Uh, for for people that are not that aware with New Japan, Tanahashi is one of their main guys that's been a part of the company. Uh, after a dark period when the company wasn't doing too well, Tanahashi, Shibata, um, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, and at the time, 
Finn Balor, a.k.a. Prince Devitt, a lot of those guys kind of revitalize that organization. So in a way, Tanahashi's kind of like their John Cena, their go-to guy. So it's cool that he's able to embrace, or maybe even their Chris Jericho in a way, and that's why they're giving him the Intercontinental title to like give it more prestige because NATO, if, he, he's not kidding. In the videos, he literally would just toss the thing across the ring, across the road. There was a whole compilation of stuff like that. So it's, it's uh, cool seeing them play out. I'm wondering if they're going to keep the belt on Tanahashi and then maybe push NATO for uh, the uh, normal heavyweight belt. Uh, has, has he won the heavyweight belt? Didn't he win beforehand? I believe NATO has held the belt beforehand. Let me do a quick search and we can, we can, uh, I don't know. I don't know if Akata took it off of him, but someone, it was around that time period. I thought he had it because I'm pretty sure they flashed his face, uh, when they show all the champions at the beginning of the uh, match, uh, just shout yeah, out once you figured it out. But, yeah. yeah, he did. He uh, he's held the belt one time, um, and let's see. Just to, I believe that you're right that he did drop it to Okada, but I could be wrong because that was there was that was during the AJ Styles feuds as well um, during that time period. It's kind of crazy to think about, but um, Okada has. Yeah, he did. He dropped it in 2006. It was June 19, 2016, which means Okada has held this belt since then. So a full year. Wow. Almost a full year, five wow. days. So That's pretty cool. That's uh, pretty crazy. And also Okada, I think he is a six-time – or he's had six successful title defenses since then, according to this, which is probably seven. It may need to be updated, but – that's it's all kind of crazy to think about, but 360 days. That's how you build a title belt. That's how you make it important. Um, and before that, NATO yeah, beat no Okada for the title, and that run was 280 days. Um, and then he well, Okada's the one who took the belt too, off. Of, yeah, and he's the one that took the belt off AJ Styles, um, and that was okay. a 150 reign. So you're looking at, you know, the course of just from those four guys. That's Three almost three years of wrestling. That's amazing. So, all right, let me ask you this question because I, w- I should ask this question after we talk about Okada Omega, but I'm scared I'm going to forget it. Uh, between Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and NATO, which one do you see with the World Heavyweight title more likely in the future to beat Okada, basically? The fact that Okada has been built up as almost this unbeatable champion with the way he's won his matches and, and how they've built that storyline of every contender he's had, giving him these long matches, these 30, 40 minute, you know, five, six star matches. It's almost like the champion is getting beaten down by so many defenses in a row this year. So the way mm-hmm. I kind of see it is there, it's very possible with this show being in America and then trying to get a big American name that you might actually see Cody Rhodes get the title, which would lead to the inevitable, um, not breakup of the bullet club, but at least with a feud between him and, uh, Omega. So that's where I think they're going to go. Um, this whole show, they've done some weird things like Billy Gunn's got a match. Uh, so they've been, they look yeah. like they're gearing some, you know, some 
some Americans up on this roster. I wouldn't be surprised if even if even if Cody or Cody Rhodes finds a way to cheat to get this title, that he ends up getting a um, win. Which New Japan generally doesn't do that, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird to see how they react to this American crowd. Um, would I put the belt on Cody Rhodes? Probably not. But it makes sense if they're trying to turn Kenny Omega face because he's got to disassociate himself from the Bullet Club at some point. So that's kind of where I. I think they're going, but I could be completely wrong. That's if I was going to book it. And, and once again, this is American booking versus, you know, how they're probably going to book it in new Japan. Uh, you would think that they're going to, if they're going the route of breaking up the bullet club, it makes sense at this point after Omega is the only person that's really in the past, you know, full year that's taken Okada to the limit where Okada couldn't beat him. It would make sense that you have Cody Rhodes beat up the uh, worn down Okada from these two matches and they sell it that way, um, which they, you know, they care a lot about past title defenses when they're talking about these matches and building these matches and what the, the wrestlers have been through leading up to them. Uh, even if you watch the, uh, the Tanahashi match, they go into that with, with his injury and, and a few other things like that. So it's, it makes sense to go that way. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, they put the belt on Cody Rhodes, which would be, you know, good for Cody Rhodes, especially in, in America Absolutely. to see him get a big title put back on him, especially considering, you know, how he was kind of treated towards the end of his WWE run. Also, like, he's going by the American Nightmare, which is kind of a combination of, uh, I think, Dustin Rhodes went by that for a little bit uh, in WCW when he went back to WCW after his uh, Gold Dust run and in uh, WWF and it's kind of like he's incorporating his dad and his brother into his gimmick a little bit. And he's done really, he's do- doing really good stuff. Uh, they just did an advertisement for G1. I believe it's up on their website that you can check out. That's a full bullet club advertisement and it's not uh, Kenny Omega out front and center talking for the group. It, it's, it's Cody Rhodes. So it Cody. seems like maybe they are shifting, shifting that way. Well, maybe we're going into the next, phase of uh, the Bullet Club. You look at the Bullet Club, and, and the funny thing is we're going to be talking about our favorite wrestlers. In my top five is the first three leaders. Um, I know Carl Anderson, is, it, it was technically a leader during AJ's run, but it was like he was running in Japan while AJ was over in Ring of Honor, but I think AJ was the main leader. Kind of like Adam Cole had that with Kenny over in, in uh, Ring of Honor, but you've had Finn Balor, Prince Devitt, then AJ Styles, then Kenny Omega, and then it seems like they're they're positioning Cody Rhodes possibly for the uh, next leader of the Bullet Club. See, the thing is, if they do that, Kenny leaves the Bullet Club. If Kenny Omega does not win the championship belt by Wrestle Kingdom, like if he doesn't even win it on that event, uh, who knows if he's going to have a title shot or not, do you think that's a good sign since he has a one-year contract that maybe finally he is about to go to the WWE, Chris. With the amount of money that he's making with with the Bullet Club stuff, I don't. It, it's probably going to take a lot to get him to go to WWE without him winning the title. I kind of think that if he wins the title and then drops it, maybe he'd be more willing to go. Kind of similar to what AJ Styles did. I think winning that title is probably a big that's something that he wants on his on his career. You know, something he, I yeah. mean, he's talked about it a lot in podcasts and stuff. And I mean, that title, I mean, in comparison, like if he has WWE and wins the, the, the world title, the amount of times they've changed that title over the years and how these title runs have worked. And you have like John Cena with 16 titles and 
Triple H with 13 and Orton with 13. It just doesn't mean as much as opposed to, you know, the IWGP title, which we were just talking about. I mean, four people in three years, it's kind of a lot bigger deal to get yeah. that, you know, bestowed upon you, at least modern, modernly. The past, I would say the past five years, I think that title means a hell of a lot more than pretty much any of the other titles uh, in the industry in general. I think Ring of Honor has done some good stuff with their world, top, world title, but outside of that, I mean, that it's the most pre- prestigious title, you know, you can have. The only person that's even had a run close to that, close to Okada's run, maybe even a little bit longer, was CM Punk during his hot streak with uh, Paul Heyman and, yep. and all that stuff. I think he held it for, like, longer than Hogan or something. It was, like, 370 days or but that was the last time that title really meant anything on WWE television. So I, I would think that, you know, it's a big deal for him to get, get that title. It probably, I mean, I haven't never talked to him, but I would think it would be huge. I mean, <laughs> something that he would probably want to check off his bucket list. No, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I, I feel like now that you're saying that, I mean, they kind of show it a lot today. I feel like the Intercontinental title and the uh, United States title have more prestige than the fucking universe title and uh, world heavyweight title over in WWE, but that's that's here nor there. Um, let's let's actually get to this match. Uh, I'll uh, I'll talk about it a little bit. And I'll pass it to you, buddy. But my God, this was a hellacious match. If I were to do my horrible Jim Ross impression, but and I can't wait. I'm gonna watch it again a third time once Jim Ross has added his audio. Not that I didn't like Kevin Kelly and um, not the other guy that joined him. I I, I miss Steve Carino. I liked him from the first time. I thought he was a really good uh, play-by-play guy to call the match. But I like this heel one, too. I just don't know what his name is. But the match started off just, I mean, just it, it was it was aggressive. Uh, there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of holds necessarily. There were for, for a certain thing that I'll, I'm, I'm about to get to. But it was more a lot of strikes, not so much aerial, uh, just a lot of fucking hard hits. Drops on neck, uh, attempts to do moves, if you will, but it was in sequence, told a great story. Um, at one point, right at the back, Okada tweaked his knee. Um, he goes outside um, after Kenny tries to do, he's about to like run and, and jump or do a dive outside to him. Uh, basically, Okada comes in back inside and then does a dive himself and, you know, tweaks his knee. Kenny notices that he works on his knee for a while. And uh, they're building up upon that. I just remember this great spot where it, I think he was about to drop kick him. Kind of ran towards Kenny just as fast as he could and goes drop kick him. And Kenny catches him in the air, picks him up, and power bombs him. There was another part where he power bombed him, and it was basically a deadlift power bomb from Kenny Omega. Completely picked him off the ground slowly and then raised him completely and gave him a sit down power bomb. It was absolutely incredible. There was another great spot where they kept on going to the rope, and um, it looked like at first he was trying to give him the reverse uh, either tiger suplex or dragon suplex, dropping him on his neck, because they kind of built to that, and they kept on doing that spot. And then it kept on getting reversed, and then it looked like Kenny was going to try to suplex him to the outside. Well, Akata gets him off, and they're by the apron, still, you know, right on the rope, and he gives him a Death Valley driver onto the apron. Uh, there was a table set up. Um, the tables that they use in New Japan are stupid. That's all I got to say. That should not have a metal lining underneath. That makes absolutely no sense. And it's like thick, looks like mahogany fucking wood. Uh, you know, set Kenny on there. Uh, you know, 
did a uh, basically the coup de gras. No, no, he didn't do the coup de gras. He just did an elbow drop, and the table didn't break all the way. It's kind of like kind of got fucked up. Uh, get back in the ring. There was one. I, I know that he went for the one winged angel. Then there was one right after Raymaker that hit him. Kenny got out of that. He hit him with two more suplexes because Kenny raised his hand trying to punch him, lifted up, gave him two more lariats. Um, there was another attempt at something, and he gave him a drop kick that threw him across the ring. There was another one outside that he annihilated him completely. It looked like a horse kicked Kenny Omega. Uh, there was a part where Kenny slammed into the railing outside, and Okada tried to get him, and Kenny elbowed him in the head and was going to do a backflip off that. Okada pushed him forward, and Kenny literally, I mean, guys, this is a friggin' work. Kenny allowed himself to go headfirst into a metal railing in front of a bunch of people. It was fucking nuts. There were so many crazy spots. This is probably just like 20 minutes of the damn match. I don't want to reveal too much, Chris. Uh, you can pass it back to me in a second, but tell me some of your initial thoughts at the beginning of this thing. Well, starting out at the beginning of the match, I thought that they had, once again, just like in the first match, it started out a little bit slow. They got the crowd into it, doing some taunts. Um, good chain wrestling, not, you know, bullshit headlock, uh, toss into the ropes, WWE chain wrestling, but like some really good ch- chain wrestling. I would say even some light Lucha type chain wrestling at the beginning. Um, like you said, it, 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 uh, it ended up outside quite a bit in this match, but I think, I think it was pretty good. You had the, uh, you had Kenny running for that dive and getting cut off by Okada, um, and then uh, I guess he what he, he hit I think he hit like a shin breaker or something, and then from there he was selling that leg and they did a good job working on that. Uh, one thing Okada did a couple times was he sped up. I don't want to recap the match too much because I think you did a pretty damn good job covering everything that happened. Um, but the big, I mean the big spots definitely was uh, the tease for the the. Uh, the dragon suplex all throughout the match and trying to hit that big spot again and not really giving the crowd that almost like a checkoff gun. Like what's in the, what's in the briefcase Pulp Fiction type moment where you really wanted to see, but they, they didn't really give it to you till the very, very end. Um, once those tables, I agree with you completely. Uh, they were awful. This match, I mean, to me, this match topped the first one, uh, barring how long they kind of sold the uh, Cody Rhodes attempting to throw in the towel for uh, Kenny Omega, and then Omega making his massive comeback, which I'm sure will be shown for years and years, that, that comeback sequence with the running knees. I think he calls them the V-trigger um, into that reverse Frankensteiner, that whole that whole section. The last, like, 15 or 20 minutes, fucking jaw-dropping. Um, man, it went to a time limit draw. An hour oh, oh you, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Chris, I almost forgot about this, and you did too. Kenny finally fucking hit the one-wing angel, but he was having balancing issues, and he ended up getting too close to the ropes. So he finally gets Okada in it. One, two, Okada moves his foot ever so slightly on the fucking rope right before three. Kenny still loses it. He took at least, he took those two half-ass ones, those connector ones. But other than that, he took about four... He did a, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure Okada did a little tribute to uh, Mr. Kurt Angle, did a, uh, the, the Suplex City, set him up for like three of them. Um, I'm trying to think of like other, other spots, but like that, that one-winged angel was really awesome. 
He still attempted it several times throughout the match. I love that part where Cody comes out and he was about to like throw it. It got a little dramatic, but it was it was still badass. And uh, sorry, I, I just remembered that part, so I had to say it. So I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, and I thought it was cool that like even at the very end, after Kenny had taken so many so much punishment, he still went for like a small package that set up that whole Rainmaker. So the entire time he was trying to get the uh, get that win. You know, and they they really played it off. And the, and the end of that match, I don't want to spoil it spoil it for anyone who's seen it because I thought I thought the finish was actually pretty pretty great. I think there's been comments out there that you could have done it differently or just switched the roles in that finish. But man, it was absolutely that whole match was absolutely amazing. An hour is like a huge thing to ask for wrestling fans to sit through for a match. But if if you if you're worried about it being boring or a waste like a waste of your time, then like, I, I don't know what to tell you. This match was absolutely incredible. Just like the first one, um, right up there with it, as far as one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. Just, I think you just go into it. Don't even look at the time limit. About five minutes into this match, you're going to be hooked. You're going to want to watch all of it. It's it's absolutely crazy. The, the main events of New Japan, they're so far and beyond what everyone else is doing right now. And And that's not to, you know, really – hate on anyone else because I, I thought that WWE's kind of stepped up their game and had some good big main event matches recently. But this was uh this match was something special just like just like the previous one. And hopefully we get to see him again for Okada versus Omega three. I don't know how far we'll get there. It could be way down the line, but man, it was it was awesome. I feel Russell Kingdom could be a place where that could happen. Kinda you know, I don't know but will 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 Okada have the title by then? I have no. What if Kenny ends up beating Cody for the title during the duration of time? If I'm fantasy booking, and then Okada and Kenny go for their third match with Kenny actually going in as champion, that would be crazy. It would be. I mean, it would be absolutely insane. Everything those guys are doing right now is crazy. I, I like the concept of him beating Cody and then him defending the title against Okada maybe once or twice more and getting those wins. Kind of like the, uh, yeah. you know, a little payback. But, yeah, that's, I mean, man, there's not enough I can say about this match. It was absolutely amazing. All right, so let's, uh, I, I want to, uh, nothing that's perfect. I, I do this all the time with movies, and I say this. You can watch one of your best favorite movies and still find some faults in it. Um, so I'm going to go over some negatives I have with the match. There's only two of them uh, that come to mind. Well, three of them, I guess. Uh, and um, and then give a score, an overall score. Uh, do the normal, you know, one to five, or I guess six could be an option now that Dave Metzger kind of made that. Uh, so one to six star option. I'll pass to Chris. He'll tell his. Uh, but the, I definitely have to say, and you could definitely retort uh, if you want to speak upon this, Chris, uh, before I go to my score. But I'm trying to think. Uh, so there was one thing that really bothered me at the beginning of the match. Um, they spent a long time, and I love this. I, I love it when wrestlers do it, working on Okada's knee. They made that a big deal. They made that a huge issue throughout a good, like I'd say a third or a fourth of the match. Then out of nowhere, that's not, that's not even a problem anymore. It didn't even seem like Okada was trying to sell it or anything like that. It was kind of like that doesn't happen anymore. Now we're working on adrenaline. I get that, but it kind of bothered me that they kind of didn't go for that. Um, I said it beforehand. I thought it was really cool, the ending 
when the Bullet Club came out and all of them around the ring and smacking this thing. But I thought Cody Rhodes was a little bit dramatic and it was kind of a little bit ridiculous between all of them uh, until it really, you know, accumulated to them surrounding the ring and kind of like supporting Kenny Omega. Uh, and I'm sorry, but like there were a lot of fucking rainmakers. Uh, it's, the reason why I say that is because Okada's a badass. Uh, he's got a snap move. Uh, what I mean by snap move is like a stunner is one. Like, uh, you know, a uh, Diamond Dallas Page has the uh, the diamond cutter. Then there's the RKO. There's the sweet chin music. There's lariats, var- various lariats, uh, usually. Um, or the bro kick, that's another one. Something out of nowhere that you can get to happen. Uh, and he does them so many times that I understand they're trying to make Kenny look good, like he's unbeatable or he's like a badass or he's all adrenaline or whatnot. But at the same time, it kind of weakens his main move. And his main move is a lariat. And even though, especially when Kenny's selling it, he makes it look amazing. Well, when Shibata sold it, everyone everyone sells it really well. Don't get me wrong. Um, It just kind of like, it kind of detracts a little bit because he also has a tombstone, but usually that gets reversed. I've seen in quite a few matches. Um, he's, his drop kick is, is amazing. He does that several times. I think Kenny got hit with at least six different drop kicks. I could be wrong. It could be more than that. So a lot of his main finisher moves, I just wish that, you know, in wrestling in general, there wasn't like, oh, I, you know, one, two, three, I tapped out of your finisher, and then you did mine, and that. Like, condense it a little bit. Uh, am I crazy for thinking that, Chris? I know that the match is amazing. Well, I think a lot of it was, you know, okay. Omega was blocking it, so he wasn't getting full effect. Uh, and the other thing is this match was 60 minutes long, so the idea is, like, each one of those, while they're doing damage, the match has been going so long, it's not as effective as if he can hit it early on. So him him trying to hit it early on and trying to take, you know, Omega out at the beginning makes sense from that standpoint. Um, the thing that, you know, it's a 60-minute match, so you're going to have some of those spots that seem like they're doing it you know, more often than normal. Like, I, I would, you know, as far as finishers go, it's nowhere near the level of, like, finisher kickouts in WWE. And the rest of the match was built so well that it didn't really hurt it for me, um, especially considering, you know, in their first match, I, I believe Okada only hit it once, and that was the finish. Um, this time, it was almost like Omega was more scared of the powerbomb because that's what really got him was the spinning powerbomb in the first match. And some of that's on the announcers to sell that, and you know, talk about the other moves um, and kind of the undoing of Kenny Omega. But both of them got so much offense, and it was believable that you know neither of them would be getting the full effects out of their finishers. I mean, that's just the difference between when you have like a you know 12 to 20 minute match like they do on WWF versus when you have like a 60 minute time limit draw. Um, I think it, it's not as bad when you have you know. The finishers repeated. Like I said, he didn't hit all of those rainmakers. He definitely he definitely attempted a lot, but that's that was his job. It was building towards him finally not being able to beat Omega. He wasn't able to do it this time, and that just builds the storyline because now Omega's like, you know, I couldn't beat Okada, but he also couldn't beat me. So it, it, you, I know I've referenced Rocky earlier today when we were talking, but it's almost like the uh, the concept of the the first fight with Rocky where. You know, he threw everything at him, but he still he still couldn't beat Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed was still your still your champion at the end of that match. So I think that's kind of what they were going for, is like both men were just absolutely brutalized by the end of the match. But Okada was still able to get the win via the Rainmaker. So to me, I didn't well, have a problem I, with got- it. The finish was a little hokey, but it was mostly just because of Cody Rhodes, like, oversold it. Um, 
Yeah. Other than well, that, all right, all right, I, I like. Well, other than Cody Rhodes and the amount of Rainmakers, do you agree with me at least on on working the leg at the beginning of it and that kind of just dissipating and then it was never a thing. Like his knee was never bothering him again. It was like after that figure four happened and they went outside and I think he got one more knee drop on him. Kenny did to, to Okada. It was like they went another direction and then all of a sudden Okada's walking on his leg like it's nothing. Like did that kind of bother you or is the same thing It's 60 minutes? So what the fuck are you going to do basically? To me, I, I'm kind of glad they didn't work the leg for 60 minutes and have Okada selling it because I think it would have took away from the offense he can have in that match. Um, mm. And like I said, it's one of those things where both men threw everything but the kitchen sink at one another. Yeah, I think if you get kicked in the leg or your leg hurts early on as the match goes down and you're getting more and more offense in, the, the idea is you're resting. So as, you know... Your, your knee is resting. It's not a, as much pain. It's not constantly being beaten on. Now, like, he was just literally working the leg the entire time, like he was at the beginning match, the first 15, 20 minutes, and Okada started doing, like, a running comeback, a la, like, Seth Rollins. I'd probably have, like, a bigger problem with it. Uh, I do agree with you. Yeah. It, it, it's a little fast-paced, but once again, it, it's, you know, the guys, they went 60 minutes, so <laughs> I, I, I got even, a little it bit It doesn't of even seem like it. That's what I love about yeah. the match is the 60-minute match itself, is, and it goes by. It's like if you watch Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, one of my favorite matches of all time, that match does not seem like 60 minutes unless you're looking at the clock constantly. Like this one, same thing. And they also have, like, the counter every so often at the top of the arena so you can find out how, how long it's going. Weird having the guy announce how much time is uh, through intervals. That was something I'm not used to, but um, – just an incredible match, though. All right, so we get to the scoring process. And I'm going to give, I thought, and this is my personal, um, you know, thoughts on the match. It's probably going to be different than Chris, obviously, because I think he stated it the opposite earlier. I think Okada Omega is a six-star. I have no problem with that being a platform of six-star. I would move a couple matches possibly up to that level because if, if you're going to say, like, certain matches are like a high five now or some bullshit, just move to a six. Um, I mean... I I really it's hard for me to say if Okada Omega one is the greatest match of all time. That's there's so many I haven't even fucking seen. So it's a six star. I'll just give it that. To me, that means that this one is a five star. I think it was a phenomenal match, pretty much flawless. Uh, but there was just something about the first one that it just was more spontaneous to me. I mean, they did really great tributes, but they kind of hit a lot of notes that they did beforehand and kind of like embellished upon it. I really love the first one. It was out of nowhere. It made me care about these two wrestlers I'd never even knew existed beforehand. And I love their career. I thought their sequel was great. It's kind of like, you know, with some people with the Dark Knight trilogy. They love Dark Knight or they love Batman Begins. Those are two great movies, and I don't think either is a bad choice for saying it, which is the best out of the trilogy, if that makes sense. So now that I just did a Batman reference with um, with all that, how do you score it, Chris? And do you have any flaws with the match at all? I mean, like, without, besides the Cody Rhodes thing being a little too hokey, um, man, if, if Kenny Omega would have got, like, some color or was bleeding or something, maybe it would have made a little more sense that Cody was so terrified. But after that first match, you know, I don't think they, they – I mean, I think he just oversold it a bit. So that, to me, knocked it down slightly lower than the first match. But I'm kind of I'm like you. It's um, – Man, it's kind of crazy because this is it. The, the only thing I can compare it to in recent years where it's a match between the same two people 
is probably Taker Taker and Mike. Yep. Yep. Um, maybe like you outside off. of that, maybe outside of that, Styles and Cena. But I don't think that that was like at yeah. the same level. Um, but I think that they both had like you know both those matches were right there as far as like which one was better. It's, it's kind of a toss up. It's going to be all opinion. Now I will say I like the finish of this match a lot, like the actual finish finish, not the um, slight Omega comeback after Cody Rhodes came out, but the the uh, the time limit draw I really like. I did like the crowd counting down because it's something you don't see in wrestling that often anymore. They do do it in New Japan because they do time limit draws, um, and we talked about it with WWE how I think they should bring that back in certain situations like this. Well, they can't do it now, but they could have done it with Lesnar and Joe, for instance. Um, but they don't enforce time limits enough. They don't talk about the rules enough. So you get into this weird state where it's like, okay, well, you can't really do that. Um, but yeah, I love the finish of the match. So it's, man, they're right up there. It's toss up to me. I think both matches were absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, God, I guess, I mean, like if I'm just doing a flat start rating, I give the second one a five, mostly because Cody Rhodes oversold a bit. And then I give the first one a six, but I, you know, I watched that first one. I've seen it six times. So I probably need to give this one, you know, two or three more watches and then rejudge it to be completely honest. I mean, just regardless, it was an amazing batch. Um, I was just blown away, man. And and the thing is, like, we, I keep on going into, it's like, Cody doesn't do a lot of promos. You have to look for them and stuff like that because it's part of the show. But if I'm watching from just, you know, videos over online, like Okada doesn't speak English. Uh, so a lot of these collection of, of them is not the characters, it's actually through interviews that I've watched them do within the last couple months. But without that, without the theatrics that, that WWE does, and they do it great, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's one thing that they strive in is, is putting together, well, most of the time, a pretty damn cool uh, viewing experience. Uh, but this was just fucking nuts. Um, and I can't wait. I hope there's a third one. Uh, I, I feel like if, if they did it, so Omega lost the first one. This is a draw. I, or I feel like Okada's got to lose the next one, and then they've got to have the last one to prove who's better between the two of them. So I hope there's two more matches. I hope there's one in between Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, maybe, maybe Cody does take the belt. Maybe they do go that route. And... And Okada and Omega go against each other without titles. A, uh, Omega wins, but he doesn't beat Okada for the title. So Cody then loses to Omega a little bit further down, and then Wrestle Kingdom, you have Okada Omega, like I said, with the reversal, where Omega actually has a championship belt. Okada beats him, and then Omega leaves and goes to WWE, uh, premiering on Royal Rumble. That's what I would like to happen. And even if he doesn't go to WWE and has another year, I love New Japan, so... I'm fine for either thing. Uh, but are you ready to move on a little bit, Chris? Yeah, man. I mean, other than that, like I said, I, I, I want the rest of the show to get the props. Those last three, the, the three matches building up, this might be one of the best overall wrestling shows I've watched in years. Like, the entire thing is amazing. It's worth the – even if you don't renew New Japan World, it's worth the $10 just to see it. So – you know, buy it, watch it. That would be <laughs> before we move out of it. I mean, we didn't even really talk about. I mean, we didn't even talk about any of the three, <laughs> the three man matches or the uh, the Bullet Club match, the uh, 
the uh, there was a, a pretty good tag title match. I mean, this entire card all the way from top to bottom. Granted, they weren't all you know absolute amazing bangers, but every match on this card was good. Like I don't think anything was below three stars on that entire card. Yeah, that's amazing. That's what Dave Vetzer said too. And to hear that about a pay per view, I mean, that's that's a rarity. Um, you know, and that's that's something that New Japan, especially when they come over here with the U.S. title, that's something else that we're not thinking about is who's who's going to end up having that title uh, when it all you know uh, comes down to it. So we'll find out. New Japan is definitely here. Um, it's it's definitely you know it might not be as big as WWE, but if WWE wants natural competition, New Japan's growing pretty fucking big, and they're coming over to America to do tours and start a U.S. title division within their whole entire rank. So looking forward to all that. Some of these guys are badasses. A lot of them actually are badasses, and I like the style of how they do wrestling. It's it's different. It's much more it's more, much more physical uh, and less. Less with the re- the theatrics, if you will. I mean, they still got the Bullet Club, but you, you know what I'm saying. So uh, let, let, let's move on. Uh, we have a pay-per-view event for WWE this weekend from SmackDown, um, and it's called Money in the Bank. All right, so I have the apparent card. I think one of the first match on here is predicted. Everything else is pretty much confirmed. I don't think anything else is getting added to it because it's pretty much the whole entire roster uh, for everything. So, all right. We'll go from the bottom, go all the way to the top, Chris, and we'll go over predictions for the match. All right, so the apparent kickoff show is Brazongo versus the Colognes. Uh, and basically, you know, there's, there's, there's been a buildup with the two of them going back and forth uh, since the guys they've been teaming with lately, the New Day, are going against the other guys, the Usos, which would make a lot of sense for their tag match. Uh, who knows, maybe with the kickoff, now that the Hype Bros are back, which I'm actually excited about, sadly, because I do like them, I think Mojo would work way better with his tag team partner, Zack Ryder, and I like Zack Ryder. I think that he's a pretty damn good wrestler, and, you know, sh- shit happens. But um, maybe they'll they'll involve that to some extent uh, in the pre-show. But uh, who do you got for Brazongo versus the Colognes in the kickoff show? I'm going to say Brazongo. Uh, I'm, I'm the same as you. I think Brazongo is going to win this match and then possibly go on to have another shot at the titles somehow. Um, and it may just be, it may not even be a shot at the titles. It could be a number one contendership match, but that's going to get into one of my predictions later. So I'll, I'll just, when we get there, I'll talk more about how I see the tag division shaking out, I guess. The question is, do you, since they were reunited, do you think that WWE, since they don't have a lot of tag teams, um, well, they do, but I don't know what the hell they do with them. Do you think they're going to bring back the Hype Bros, or do you think they're going to make some stupid angle and have Zack Ryder turn heel, beat up Mojo Rawley to try to build Mojo Rawley? Uh, I think they're going to keep I think they'll keep them as a tag team for a little bit. Now, down the line, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think that uh, Mojo is as over as they, they thought he was going to be coming out of that. Well, I mean, it's kind of their fault. They didn't really push him. Um, per that one match. But him losing the gender, I think, hurts a little bit, uh, even though it was like, you know, gender, typical cheat win. But I, I think they – I mean, he's that's a good tag team. I think they work as a tag team. Um, you got American Alpha somewhere on the card coming back. You have the Ascension. You have, you know, the New Day. 
you have the Usos, you have Brazongo. So, I mean, as far as tag teams go, SmackDown's way more set up than Raw. It's just how they want to use them. I'm sorry, in the Cologne. Yeah. No, no, it just seems like they they only use four of them. (laughs) They only use uh, the Usos, uh, now the New Day, which I guess there was three beforehand, Brazongo and the Colognes. But uh, hopefully we start seeing, um, you know, more – more added to the tag team division. I, I like, like, like you said, the, the hype bros. I think that if they want to get Mojo Raleigh bigger, putting him back with Zack Ryder, who's always, who's already a little bit over and having them build upon each other would actually do better for him than the single things where he's talking about the fucking Andre the giant uh, statue and whatnot. But uh, let's go to the next match. Um, Women's championship. And my God, when I watched the SmackDown segment where Lana did her new move against Naomi, it was beautiful. I don't know. Was it called Scissor Me Timbers? I have no idea. I love her blue dress. Anyways, uh, Women's Championship. Naomi versus Lana. Is there any fucking way, Chris, they're going to give the title? Well, I mean, they did this with gender, sort of, but Lana has less experience than him. But did you see Naomi losing at all? I, I think she's going to win this. I think the outcome of that match depends on the outcome of what they're going to do with the money in the bank to be completely honest with you. Uh, generally speaking, if you, if you have a, if you have a heel as champion, then you can book a face winning that money in the bank contract. Cause then you, they have a reason to want to cash it in, you know, to, to embarrass the, uh, the bad guy. Um, outside of that, man, it just, her getting one win. It's that, I, I think that was just to get heat on her. Um, I think Naomi is going to walk out champion and hold that title for a little bit longer to be completely honest. But if they, if they throw a kink in my plan, you could see, you know, Charlotte Flair or, or Becky Lynch win money in the bank. And then that be your next thing. So we'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm my pick. If I'm picking right now. It's going to be Naomi. All right. We got Naomi. She's been, uh, we've been on the same team so far, both saying Brazongo and Naomi uh, tag team championship, the Usos or the Uggos. Versus the New Day. Um, God, I mean, I want to say the New Day because it just makes sense to say the New Day, but they've been building Usos pretty well lately. I guess, even though this match I think is going to be a good match, and I'm hoping it's one of the one of the matches of the night, um, I feel like the New Day is going to win, and they're going to become our SmackDown, our SmackDown New Tag Team Champions. Uh, do you think the Usos are going to win or the New Day, Chris? I think they could do something weird here where the Usos win the titles because um, because of Xavier Woods and somehow, like due to like an out, outside interference. Um, not necessarily like they're trying to turn him, turn them heel or anything, but that's just how it ends up working. Like the, Uso, the Usos are dirty the entire match, and then Xavier Woods finally gets fed up with it and, and hits one of the Usos, and that leads to a disqualification setting up a match in the future. But instead of it being direct rematch, I think they bring Brazango back into the, the fold for like some number one contender matches or something, because I think they want to stick the New Day with Brazango um, more, to be completely honest. Uh, and then maybe maybe even that's the feud they end up going without at this pay-per-view because eventually American Alphas are going to come back and it would make sense for them to go against the Usos as well. The only reason you put the title on the New Day here is you want 
the new day to always be on your show in some sort of talking yeah. segment. So from that standpoint, it would make sense. Granted, like we're not like I mean I like the New Day. I'm just not like a massive, massive New Day fan. They're out there. They exist. Um, and you know, to each their own. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a New Day fan because I like Xavier Woods a lot. We've already been down this road. But um, yeah, it would make sense. I mean, because they're probably, I mean, outside of AJ Styles, they may be the. I don't. They're probably the biggest draw, as far as like merch and reasons to go see the show. Uh, on the card, so it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too surprised if they get the tag team championships, but I, I think the Usos are going to win via disqualification somehow in this match. Those damn Uggos. All right, let's go from there um, and go to our WWE Championship match: Jinder Mahal, the Maharaja, versus Randy Orton. There's no fucking way in hell Randy Orton's winning this match. If they, all right. Dane, you, you want Jinder to win? If they did all this, and they're trying to, quote-unquote, get with the Indian market and do all this other stuff, and then they take Jinder Mahal's title that quickly with Randy Orton, that is the saddest, dumbest booking. And I know that whatchamacallit Road Dog is one of the head writers, and he's been doing for a majority of the time a good job. I don't think he's dumb enough. I think he understands wrestling. There's no way Randy's winning this. Uh, Ginger's going to win, probably with some help from cheating to some extent, uh, maybe with the little brother fuck sticks. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Jinder Mahal's going over. He's going to still be champion. Am I crazy for thinking that, Chris? No, I agree with you 100%. It doesn't make sense to have Randy win this match, at least not to me. I mean, I, I'm assuming that Ginger's going to hold the title for a while, maybe until John Cena comes back or something. You're going to have to have, I mean, it's pointless to give him all the wins that they've been giving him if he's not going to keep the title. Um, And I don't necessarily know that they want to give Randy Orton another title run right now at the top. At least with Jinder having the title, then you can, with your Money in the Bank match, you can shift things around um, and set up, you know, him losing the title whenever you want to, you know, someone like John Cena or to AJ Styles or however they want to do that down the road. But I, I don't think I don't think Randy is going to get the title here, no. Do you think that, you know, given the fact that he has a, a very, very young baby, that maybe after this Randy's going to take, like, a little bit of a break? Because um, I, I don't see him hanging around after this. I mean, he could. I just – that's weird that you just gave birth to your child and, you know – uh, I don't think he's getting a title shot again anytime soon. Obviously, the whole record is going to be another thing eventually, but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean, that's another reason that John Cena's name pops into mind is because they can set this up as John Cena winning, you know, his 17th title against Jinder Mahal after Jinder Mahal has, like, a pretty lengthy title run. And then if they just want him to drop it directly after, you could, you know, whoever has money in the bank could cash in. So it, it's just the money in the bank thing pivots it a little bit, but I'm assuming they're, they're going to end up going gender John Cena. And I know John Cena is technically a free agent per that news earlier this week, but I would expect him to be in the SmackDown title picture more than the Raw title picture with the way the Raw main event is currently. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing him come back. 
what? Oh, we like John Cena? Oh, we actually like wrestling. It's weird. You guys will figure it out one day. Anyways, uh, let's get to the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Charlotte Flair versus Bicky Lynch versus Natalia versus Carmella. And probably Ellsworth will be fucking riding around somewhere on the fucking ring. And Tamina Snuka in the first Money in the Bank match in history with women wrestlers, which is awesome. Very, very cool. Um, let, let, me, let me start off on my end with who I think is definitely not going to win. Uh, Tamina Snuka, unfortunately, and I thought that she's been great in the ring the last couple times. Uh, I, I don't see her winning. I really hope Carmella doesn't win. I, I feel like it has to be between Natalia and Charlotte, so I think Becky's out of there too. I'm going to assume that it. I want it to be Charlotte. I'll put it this way. I want it to be Charlotte, but I feel like Natalia somehow is going to win it. Um, how, how do you think this is going to go down, Chris? Oh, man. I Honestly, I, I'm still saying I think Natalia might end up winning here and screwing over Tamina and Carmella in some form or fashion. Um, I, I don't see Tamina really getting a, a shot here. Carmella might be the next obvious choice because she's kind of a scumbag heel, but I don't know that they're that behind her right now. So I, I'm thinking they're probably going to give it, do the safe thing, knowing Natalia pretty much will be a heel for the rest of her career more than likely. So I think that she might end up winning money in the bank. The thing is, I really don't have a problem with that because, you know, I don't think she's going to be one of those, one of the, what, two people that have lost after winning the money in the bank. So if she were to cash it in and she gets the championship one more time, I don't think uh, Natty's going to be uh, in WWE much longer. So let her have another title run. Uh, you know, she kind of deserves it. She's one of the best workers out of all of them you know, for her age, um, and she's still a beautiful, very athletic woman, so I'd like to see her get the title again. I think that would be kind of cool. Obviously, if I can call anyone, Charlotte needs – Charlotte and fucking uh, Sasha Banks need to be the champions on their respective brands, but that's just my opinion. I think that if it's worked around them, they will do wonders with all the female talent. Uh, but I don't think Natalia would, would be that bad of an idea either. Let's get to the last one, um, the – Men's Money in the Bank ladder match. AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler versus Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin. And they will be going against whoever wins. I'm just kidding. Jinder Mahal. They'll be going against Jinder Mahal. So, same thing. I'll start off with who I don't think is going to get it. Kevin Owens is not going to win both titles. I just don't see that happening. He needs to build the U.S. title like he's been doing as a heel target just so some baby face can come and get it from him. And who knows, maybe when Cena comes back, he goes back after his U.S. title to take out Kevin Owens' dumbass because they have, they have history. If I recall correctly, Kevin Owens came from NXT and beat him uh, first time against uh, John Cena out of NXT when he was a champion. So maybe they could go back in that direction with Cena. Who knows? But he has a title, so that takes him out to me at least. Um Sami Zayn, not going to happen. Dolph Ziggler, there's kind of a chance, but now that there's a, that apparent shit, I don't know if you heard, Chris, where Shinsuke blurted. Um, I couldn't find it on my copy because I had to watch it off of Hulu and they cut out a fucking hour of the show. But Shinsuke mentioned something about Dolph Ziggler's possibly going to New Japan um, after his contract's done with WWE, which is very interesting. 
so that I'm entailing might mean that he's not going to be here much longer either way. He's already had the title. He's already won the money in the bank. Sami Zayn's not going to win. He's not going to win. Now it's between AJ, Shinsuke, Baron Corbin. Uh, I can't see Shinsuke running the ring and cashing in the money in the bank. Um, it just seems weird for his character. So, like, AJ Styles is my Charlotte, but I think that Baron Corbin is actually going to end up winning it and being, like, the natty in this situation for me. How do you feel, Chris? Man, I honestly believe Baron Corbin's probably going to win this, and this goes back to even, I think, predictions from back when he was feuding with Dean Ambrose. But if I was booking this, Kevin Owens would win and cash in on Jinder Mahal after Randy Orton hits like three RKOs and then just give Kevin Owens the title and kill this Jinder Mahal thing. <laughs> but that's oh, uh, not going to happen. <laughs> that's what I would do. So, no, my pick is probably uh, probably going to be Baron Corbin. Um, good. My, if, it's going to be second Baron match. It's Baron Corbin. I'm just doing an impression. I fucked you up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I guess my second pick, um, the guy with the biggest outside shots, probably Sami Zayn. Because Sami Zayn versus Jinder Mahal could be intriguing as Sami Zayn being the underdog that always gets screwed over anyways. So I think they could go that route as well. I mean, they need to throw the guy a bone, honestly. (laughs) So... He would be probably the second highest on my list with a chance at winning this match. What if, what if, since a lot of people it seems like think Baron is going to win, he goes up and Sammy, who has pinned him now like five times in a row, ends up screwing him over at least from winning, or maybe Sammy wins the match. That would be crazy. I don't think that's going to happen. All right, let's move on. I want to, before we do the top ten thing, um, I don't know where, let me, let, me, let me see what is going on with Sean. Hello? I might have to text him, but in the meantime, uh, there was a segment from Raw that I did want to talk about. That fucking amazing opener with Brock Lesnar coming to the ring. And I think, I think people that, like, you know, I got out of wrestling right when Brock was getting big. And Samoa Joe on TNA was getting big. And I wanted the two of them to go against each other. And they were both physically intimidating dudes. And to see this, you know, however many years later, go down in front of me the way it did, kudos to Raw. The rest of your program couldn't keep up with it, unfortunately. It wasn't that bad, but, I mean, it just this was the best thing of the whole entire fucking night. And that was having, of course, Brock, or uh, what should we call it, <laughs> having um, Brock come to the ring with Paul Heyman. And then when I get there, Paul started saying his usual stuff uh, involving Samoa Joe and how he choked him out and promised, you know, that he needed to unleash the beast. And after Heyman ran down Joe for a while, the number one contender came out, headed to the ring where he stared down Lesnar. And it was a great stare down. And at one point he just headbutts them. And from there it just goes fucking just crazy they're, they're throwing real punches at each other. You know, I, I feel like Samoa Joe was trying to piss them off a little bit because apparently with the wrestlers, I hear this, I hear this from Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho and lots of other people, you know, Brock Lesnar likes you to come out and kind of take him off guard and strike him a couple times to, like, get his blood going. And it works out well because they were throwing 
the security guards around like it was nothing. Uh, at one point, Samojo got a good kick to, like, Brock Lesnar's head, and I think he knocked out security guard in the process. They're just beating the shit out of each other. Um, finally, the wrestlers come out, because Kurt Angle gets all the wrestlers to come out, and they're trying to get the two of them split apart. Uh, very reminiscent of, uh, you know, Tyson Stone Cold, if you will. And uh, it gets to the point where the wrestlers get Samoa Joe out of there, and then Brock Lesnar goes after his ass, gets a couple punches in, and it's just mayhem. And basically, that's what our, you know, that's what our fantasy dream card is going to be at Great Balls of Fire. And I'm extremely looking forward to it. I can't believe there's people that are bitching about it. Look, I understand Brock Lesnar, a lot of times he does what he wants. He kind of has, I would say, kind of like an Andre mentality of like, you know, you can you can give him suggestions, but if he doesn't want to do it, he's going to do whatever the fuck he wants because he imposes his will on wrestlers. But I feel like Samoa Joe, he's going to want to have fun with this. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we have a really good match. It's definitely not going to be a squash match. If it is, I will fucking be pissed. But, Chris, how do you feel about the build-up for this match? Are you excited? and Do you like that opening segment on Raw? I really did like the opening segment on Raw. I, the only disappointment was I kind of wish Brock Lesnar would have stuck around and actually unleashed the beast on some poor unsuspecting humans, maybe a la Braun style. But other than that, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was nice to see that it wasn't just Samoa Joe getting punched around and then them pulling Brock off. That Samoa, Samoa Joe actually got a little bit of offense in. And uh, the build of this match has been some of the best stuff they've done on Raw in a really long time as far as segments go. So hopefully they keep it up and keep this build going. I know they're in a weird spot with uh, – they're kind of in a weird spot with, with how often Lesnar's going to be there building this pay-per-view. I, I hope this isn't the last Raw he's going to be on um, because if it's just if it's just going to be Samoa Joe, like, wrestling random people for the rest of this pay-per-view build, I think that they're going to lose a little bit of heat on that match. But – I, I, I'm looking forward to the match. I, I've always looked forward to this match. Just like you said, I was one of those people that was like, man, I would love to see that. But, so I'm, I'm I'm just hoping that, you know, it's a good match once we get to the pay-per-view. Hopefully it is. I think Joe, hopefully Lesnar, you know, gives Joe a better match than he did Dean Ambrose, put it that way. So maybe he has a little more respect for Joe and the way Joe works in the ring, being a bigger guy. So hopefully we just get a little better match than the match he had with Dean Ambrose. Yeah, exactly. I, I, man, it's just funny because it was like one of those dream TNA versus WWE. Uh, I think it was Ruthless Aggression back then. Um, that those eras and stuff like that. It's it, like seeing Bobby Roode versus Triple H, or um, I'm trying to think of like another one. Um, AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels. I mean, that was something I think people wanted after seeing him in the ring, pretty much right off the back. But finally, we're getting this dream match, and God, it would just be so cool if at one point. Building up to this, like maybe on the next Raw, he's so stressed. Kurt Angle actually is trying to get between the two of them in the ring and stuff like that, and pushes them both back, and they both keep on going at. It. And finally, Kurt snaps and gives both of them a suplex, like drives one of them, and then the other one's looking like what the hell happened, and then he goes and does it exact same thing, and just like flips out completely. Like I would love them to do that. And now that there is, uh, I think pretty much confirmation. We're going to be seeing, uh, you know, Angle go against Triple H maybe for Mania, but I feel like since that's a confirmation that that means that it could be cleared for at least stuff like that in the ring. 
I know he doesn't give a shit at all. I, th- I think that Kurt thinks he's fine in the ring, but it's more WWE with their recent, you know, all the all the lawsuits. Like that they can't really deal with that whole entire thing. They got to play a very very safe ground, which I completely understand. Just stinks because I want to see Kurt suplex some people. You know, especially if it was Brock Lesnar or Samoa Joe, he's had to pass with both of them. So if like they're really just going at it and they won't they won't stop, maybe he has to get physical. I think it would be great. Um, all right. So other than that, let's uh, move on to our next subject. Traffic. Was there anything worth talking about at Raw and SmackDown besides that? I thought the three on three match on SmackDown was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean there was. There was some decent stuff, but overall, I thought both of those shows were kind of weak. Um, of course, Me I was too. incredibly jaded because I watched Dominion, so <laughs> I probably really <laughs> for the rest of the week. Um, the uh, God, let me look up the card while we're seeing if you want to shoot Juwan a text message real quick. I already did. We'll, we'll probably just end up going into it soon. Um, was gonna say, but like I, I have Ron SmackDown in front of me. I this is like nothing, none of this I'd really care to go over. Uh, Elias I mean, interviewed Dean Ambrose. That's building. Goldust had a promo. No shit. Uh, Kurt Angle confronted the Miz. He does it all the time. Uh, let's see. Cedric Alexander beat No Noam Dar. Bray came to the ring. Talked shit to Seth Rollins. Uh, and it, he interrupted him, and then Wyatt teleported on the big screen. Really cool. That's weird that you can do that. You must have superpowers. Um, yeah, but nothing nothing that big. Uh, we had a five-second match. Attack, but... <laughs> what? I'm not sure. Uh, we had a five-second match on Raw. Cedric Alexander accidentally, I mean, absolutely smashed Noam Tar in one in five seconds. Like That's I don't, cool. I, I, don't I, I don't know if that ties any the, records or not. I hope so. I, I I have the Hulu treatment, so a lot of those smaller matches get cut out. And I was watching Dave Chappelle on Monday night, so um, yeah, two out of three match was dumb. That first like pin was kind of like what, and uh, uh, SmackDown was even smaller. In the New Day match, we had a huge tab match. That was pretty good. Uh, the Mojo Raleigh finally got back with his buddy, Zack Ryder. Naomi defeated Tamina Snuka. Lana came down, gave her her new move. They scissored for a while and made out, and that was awesome. Uh, that actually didn't happen. Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton had a face-to-face conversa- uh, confrontation, and Orton laid Mahal out with the RKO. Charlotte defeated Natalia. Um, Charlotte won by pinfall after the natural selection. That was a good match. And the last match, actually, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, and AJ Styles defeated Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler. That was a very, very fun back-and-forth match, I will say. Um, but other than that, did you have any comments about any of this, Chris? The only uh, the only match that I really thought was good out of these two shows or one that I would go back and rewatch was the Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardy Boys match, which was the main event in the three fall match. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that was pretty good. The only thing about three fall matches is uh, 
the way WWE books them is kind of terrible. So knowing that, like, you know, the first loss came so fast, you kind of knew the, the Hardys were going to get the second pinfall, and then it was just a double count out because of the champion's advantage, and obviously they're not going to flip those titles that fast. So I think that hurt the match. But other otherwise, like the in-ring work and everything, I thought was pretty good. I thought that was a pretty good match. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I just, uh, you know... I think Okada Omega definitely did the same thing for me, at least with that match. That match was was incredible. It was ridiculous. It was it was it was a really good match. I'm uh, I'm Dave Metzger, and uh, my work for uh, New Japan. So it's uh, it's good. Uh, I like it. How's <laughs> up? <was>, uh, <laughs> how many times talk to you like Dave Metzger? You can be the other guy, like David or Brian. <laughs> What I love is when Dave Metzer interrupts him. He's like, "No, no, 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 no." So, so what you what you forgot was, you know, during the match there was a part where you know he was looking at the post and then he hit him in the head with the post and they came back to that and like as soon as he's done talking, like, all right, and anyways, and like completely cuts him off and keeps on going. I wonder if he gets on his nerves. I don't know. We'll have to ask them. This is actually our podcast, so maybe we should do that whole thing. Let's go over our top tens, Chris. We got an hour to talk about this, so we should be able to have some fun with it. Um, we'll go first, and uh, hopefully, I'll keep on checking on, on uh, Mr. Juwan, and he'll join us and tell us his stuff last. But uh, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first. It's fine. Uh, I'm going to go with my honorable mentions first, and kind of give reasons on why they're honorable mentions. Uh, the first four is Ms. Cena, Bobby Roode, Kashida. Um, Kashida just won a tournament, and I think if he gets a huge push, he could be massive in Japan. His entering work almost squeaked him into my top ten list. Uh, Bobby Roode being an NXT, uh, I think when he makes it to the, the, the main roster, he could easily get put there for me. Uh, John Cena obviously would make this top ten hands down if he was still wrestling 24-7 like he did you know, for years. Uh, right now with him being a part-timer and this weird free agent thing that they're going to be doing with him, I have moved him to honorable mention. And the last person on my honorable mention list was The Miz. And I think it's mostly just because of the way they've shaped that main event. And the Miz is kind of just stuck in the mid-card right now. Hopefully they give him another title run. But um, his mic work alone kind of puts him above a lot of a lot of wrestlers that made my list for other reasons. But uh, Miz's ring work kind of knocked him back out of it. So that, that those are my honorable mentions. Um, also, my top three females right now are Asuka, um, Charlotte Flair, and Sasha Banks. I think they're still the three best wrestlers in WWE. There are some fantastic uh, Japanese female wrestlers out there, but me trying to rip all their names off the top of my head right now, it was just not happening. Uh, my actual list crashed earlier, so <laughs> I had to remake this. In the top ten, we have number one, Okada, number two, Omega, number three, Styles, number four, Nato, number five, Tanahashi, uh, number six, Jay Lethal, number seven, Roman Reigns, number eight, Samoa Joe, number nine, Ricochet, and number ten, Seth Rollins. So that is how my list shaped out. I'm interested to hear what you got. I have way more honorable mentions than you do. <laughs> I have technically, with my order of my top ten, if you combine it, probably a 30 count for everyone. But 
I had to mention some people that I really enjoy their in-ring stuff. Um, so I'll go down with mentions first. John Cena, similar thing. He's one of my favorite guys in the ring. Five moves of doom. Go fuck yourself. Um, he's just he puts on great matches. He puts on great matches with a lot of different wrestlers who all look to him as not only a great leader in the back, but also just a, a really efficient in-ring wrestler. I also wanted to mention because they, you know, uh, Jawan made me think of them, and I have to mention. It sucks that Daniel Bryan can't be on this list, and CM Punk probably potentially could have been on this list because I loved his gimmick. He was great on the mic, and he was a pretty damn good aerial wrestler, uh, too. Um, and uh, if I go down the rest of the list, uh, Seth Rollins, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, Dean Ambrose, Tyler Bate, Ricochet, Neville, Austin Aries, Randy Orton, Sami Zayn, Tetsui Naito, Kota Ibushi, Pentagon Dark, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Alistair Black has a lot of potential, and Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho is hard for me to even consider because he's been in the game so long, but you got to fucking mention Chris Jericho because he's put on some great matches uh, recently, and he still can do it. Um, so out of those guys, those are my honorable mention. I know there were a lot of them. Most of them got there because either I like them, but I don't love them if they're you know someone like a Seth Rollins. Um, or, or maybe their their mic skills kind of take away from it or something like that. Um, and others, I have to see more of their matches, more than four, for like someone like a, a Tetsuya Neto for me to be able to really put them on my top ten favorite list. So it's kind of a pain in the ass about it. My females are the same thing. I kind of did a top five. Alexa Bliss is five. Mike skills is great. She needs to get better in the ring. Naomi, opposite. Uh, Oscar is three, Sasha's two, Charlotte is number one. Now my top ten. I'm gonna slow it down a little bit. All right, ten is Pete Dunne. I think Pete Dunne has amazing skills uh, from the three matches I've seen. The two in um, no 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 it was four. Yeah, because I watched the two in the UK thing. Uh, him on NXT and then him obviously winning the title against Tyler. I went back and watched him. He used to do. Apparently he used to do, and I see it, uh, seen it a pedigree. I guess he doesn't do it anymore. Um, but this guy is nasty. He's a fucking great heel. He's got a great look. He reminds me of Fit Finley. Um, kind of Fit Finley meets Triple H, if you will. More Fit Finley, if anything. But I, I just love his strong strikes. He's great at, at uh, you know, manipulating the body and making it look like he's working on a certain body part, which I really appreciate. Number nine, Jay Lethal. One of the last guys that needs to get to WWE because of his mic work, um, his charisma, and everything else, basically. Eight goes to Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, King of Strong Style. I love his gimmick. I love his look. He's one of the most weird and random, charismatic wrestlers that I've seen probably since Randy Savage. Just, just being just weird and all over the place. Um, Michael Jackson-esque. Seven is Samoa Joe. Um, Samojo is a badass He's been a badass for a long time I've been a big fan of his He's like a giant Taz Like it's scary um, Six is The Miz I think he's one of the best people on the mic Not the greatest people in the ring But my god For heel uh, He's getting better in the ring And he's basically this generation's Ric Flair uh, No one is as good at being a fucking heel than The Miz I think Besides someone that's coming up a little bit in my list Five would be Finn Balor I'm a huge fan of the Demon King. A lot of people crap on him. I have no idea why. 
I've seen them put on great matches with Kenny Omega, AJ, everyone that you can fucking think of in New Japan. I love his style. I love that he's kind of like Sting to me. He's like a, this generation's like with the face paint. He's kind of like it, it, all right. So Sting, think about this. If he had like more of a uh, what's his name, um, James Dean type of quality to him, maybe a Paul Newman, much more calm and like cool dude. Sting is like Mel Gibson. So there is a difference when it comes to that. But his silence, his demeanor, his moves, his actions, when he when he goes apeshit crazy in the ring, I love watching all that type of stuff. Uh, next one is Okada. I think he's phenomenal, one of the best athletes out there. Great at selling, great at everything, actually. Um, and he doesn't have to be too crazy and sporadic like uh, his accomplice in all these amazing wrestling matches. Uh, three would be Kevin Owens, probably the best heel out right now. Him and The Miz, kind of, they could fight for it, for being a great heel. Uh, Kevin Owens is a just uh, fun wrestler to watch. Um, he is so damn great at wrestling and moving and doing aerial maneuvers for his size. That's very impressive. It gives a big guy like me hope. Let me just put it that way. Two is Kenny Omega. Uh, Kenny... I mean, there's so many wrestlers that you see in him. Shawn Michaels, a lot of people have made comparisons. I, I could definitely see Chris Jericho, kind of a similar concept, too, if you think about it. I mean, Kenny's from Calgary. He's really good at being a heel. He's beloved now to the point where he's over enough to be a baby face. He made a majority of his career in a different organization to WWE, and hopefully now he's going to eventually come here and have some great ra- uh, matches with my number one, AJ Styles, who, to me, is the modern Shawn Michaels as when it comes to in-ring performance. Not like he's trying to be like him, but like he's just now naturally that person. And that is my top ten. All right, so let's just go. I'm going to go back through your top ten, and then I'll go back through mine just so we can, we're on the same page. Um, you had AJ Styles, number one. Kenny Omega, number yep. two. Kevin Owens, number mm-hmm. three. Kazuchi Okada is number four. Finn Balor is number five. The Miz, number six. Samoa Joe, number seven. Nakamura, number eight. Jay Lethal, number nine. And Pete Dunne, number ten, which I love the bruiserweight. And I, I'm giving him an honorable mention right now just because, like, that whole – he's going to be over as fuck if they just let that guy be himself. Um, oh, yeah. And then my oh, yeah. Top, I forgot Will Ospreay, too. He's a badass. Yeah, well, Will Ospreay's great. Um, my top ten was Okada, um, Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, uh, Tetsu Nato, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, six, Kevin Owens, seven, Jay Lethal, eight, Roman Reigns, who has to make this list for me because he's been in so many big matches recently, um, nine, Samoa I- Joe, and then rounding it out, ten, Ricochet, which – I could have subbed with a few other people like I talked about earlier, but Ricochet, I'm a huge Ricochet mark, so he's getting put on the list. <laughs> so if we're looking at it from just people who are on both our lists, we have Okada, Styles, Omega, Owens, Joe, Lethal. I'm trying to think if I missed anyone that you had on your list that I didn't have on my list. I think that's yep, it. I think you got all of them. Because you had Rollins, I, had... I had Nakamura. Um, I had Pete Dunne, you had Ricochet. I said uh, Rollins on. I had I said 
said Rollins instead of Reigns, I think, or Rollins instead of Owens, because I had him as an honorable mention. So I think my first list, oh, okay. or the first time I got off, I got, I got thrown off because I was writing this out. I'm actually mad like I, said, I, I forgot I Roman Reigns. I really like Roman Reigns. He definitely should have been someone mentioned, at least. Uh, but um, actually, I think we have a third participant in this, uh, it looks like. Not 100% Uh-oh. sure. Juwan's, oh, he just texted me. Yes, he had called in. Hey, you're on with uh, horny old ladies. Uh, which one do you want to talk to? We got Martha and Phyllis and Dolores. I'd say Dolores is more my speed. Hi there, sweetheart. Are you sure I'm still your speed? Ah, uh, I can hear the stoma. I love it. <laughs> Hello? Hello? What's up, Juwan? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Sorry I'm late. Oh, that's cool. Uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> oh. Um, so I was listening to both of you guys' list, and honestly, mine isn't too far off from that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I went over and made sure I put mine in a proper list. Dane made sure to let me know um, ahead of time to make sure I had my list. Um, number one, I'm going um, John Cena. I'm sorry, I just. I believe when you're that transcendent for, um, you know, almost going on now, uh, possibly three different types of, of eras of, of wrestling, um, that you definitely have to make the top ten um, current list. Um, next is Seth Rollins. Um, I just, I, I love this guy's in-ring um, ability. I think his mic work could always be better, but... um He's definitely a special talent in, in ring. Um, number three, I'm going to go with Randy Orton. He's another guy that was able to um, at least transcend two eras of, of wrestling. And I'm sorry, his legend killer um, persona will always be legendary to me. Um, that was just a great time for wrestling. Him spitting in the, the legend's face, the RKO on Hulk Hogan um, on, on top of the limousine. Like, he just had some really classic moments um, that I can't forget about. So he has to make my list for me. Um, Kissing a knocked out Stephanie those... McMahon. Yes, knocking out Stephanie McMahon. Um, handcuffing Triple H to the, the ring post while he, like, weirdly kisses Stephanie. Like He just had some really great moments um, as a heel that I just can't let go of. Um, I usually kind of the newer stuff is what I tend to let go of of, of Randy Orton, um, but it hasn't been horrible. It just has been some forgettable moments. Um, next is Samoa Joe, um, mainly because I love Samoa Joe and TNA, um, and then his transition to the WWE so far has been great to me. Um, his NXT work was great, and then um, now his um, you know his main roster work has been great also. But I started loving Samoa Joe in TNA, so I just love that I see him now in the WWE ring, still doing um, exactly what he was doing in TNA, just being a great talent. I mean, the athleticism he has for a guy that big is just amazing. Um, And then next, I'm going to put Nakamura on there. Um, And it's because of you guys that I have Nakamura on my list. Um, the, the hype you guys were, were giving him. I did go back, watch some NXT matches, 
um, of Nakamura. And then, you know, since he's been on the main roster, he's been great also. But his NXT work is unbelievable. Um, just a great talent. And, I mean, that he's my pick to win Money in the Bank. Uh, I can definitely see um, John Cena coming back July 4th. Um, I could see Cena knocking off um, Jinder Mahal to get the title. And then Nakamura then cashing in and having a beautiful rivalry with John Cena. Um, I think that is honestly the best way SmackDown uh, could go as far as their main title. Cena versus Nakamura, that's that's just perfection to me. Um, Next, I'm going to go Jeff Hardy. No, no, no. I'm not going to go Jeff Hardy. I'm sorry. Um, No, I am going to go Jeff Hardy. I'll wait. I'm going to go Jeff Hardy. I think he's possibly one of the best, um, the most athletic talents WWE has has ever had, um, and also a transcendent talent. Um, obviously, we know his mistakes in the past, but um, he's had some really great runs, especially his run as World Heavyweight Champion, and then his run as uh, WWE Champion, and then we obviously know his tag team glory. Um. I'm trying to see who else am I missing. I also have Finn Balor. I'm sorry. That guy just has a superstar in the making written all over him. And let me see. So I did Cena, Orton, Finn Balor, Rollins, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Nakamura. The Miz is definitely on my list. Dane, I heard what you were saying about the Miz, and he's very underrated, especially as a heel. Um, what he does uh, for the company is very underrated. And now I'm going to go Kevin Owens. I think he is just, I don't know how to describe Kevin Owens. He's another guy that's very athletic um, for a bigger guy. Um, and his on his um, on-mic work is, is beautiful also. And then last, I'm going to go Brock Lesnar. Again, another talent that's being that was able to transcend two eras, even though his newer stuff he barely wrestles. He's a once in a uh, once every few months type of guy, but still he has a huge impact. And I think what saved Lesnar for me was that rivalry with John Cena. Um, it really showed that this guy is still the Brock Lesnar of old, um, and I really respected that rivalry he had with Cena and with Triple H. So that's enough for me to Sprock Lesnar on my list. Well, I, I got to say, looking at all three lists uh, in front of me, uh, they're, they're pretty damn impressive. Uh, I don't think any of them are bad lists. Um, you know, these are definitely probably some of the best wrestlers out right now. Um, actually, do me a favor. Give me uh, three of your favorite female wrestlers from right now. It doesn't have to be in a specific order, John. Okay. Well, I do kind of have them in order. Um, I'm going to go Charlotte Flair. Just an amazing talent, honestly. Um, I'm also going to go Alexa Bliss. And then I'm going to go Sasha Banks. Three great choices. I mean, these guys... They're they're pretty damn amazing athletes, and I love watching them throughout different divisions, throughout different programs and whatnot. Uh, it's just a lot of fun being a wrestling fan. There, a lot of people complain about stuff, and it's either it's not as good as yesterday, or there's too many problems right now. But I'm enjoying the wrestling that we got. 
um, going on. I, I think that there's some damn good athletes that are doing it. Are right, you can have someone like a John Cena or a you know Okada where they're amazing athletes and they can make the match just look that much more amazing. And then you got such great aerial wrestlers out there like AJ Styles, like a Kenny Omega, like a Seth Rollins. And then the strong, the strong strikers like Pete Dunne and such great heels. And I, I think wrestling is doing fine. I think that they're, they've got some uphill battles. But as far as talent today, great. Now the question is, who's the number one? And that, that's how we get to this game that we play. But before I do that, I actually wanted to ask you guys a question um, that was established on a podcast that I listened to. Yes, I listen to podcasts about wrestling and do a podcast about wrestling. Fuck off. Don't worry about it. Anyways, does WWE have someone that has the potential to be the next John Cena, or is that person not there yet? And if you think they are, who is that wrestler? I'm going to start with you, Chris. Wow, man. Some big-ass shoes to fill. Um well, the lead of the company, but yeah, that whole thing. I'm still not. I'm. I'm. I'm still not gonna say no on Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns can still become that guy. So I'm. I'm gonna go Roman Reigns. I think. I think he's the closest to being that polarizing as far as like their new talent goes. If I had to pick a second, probably Finn Balor. But I. I see Finn Balor as being more as like an over, like super over baby face. Like maybe like when Chris Jericho has a face run type deal, um, as opposed to like, you know, John Cena who's just polarizing one way or the other. And I, I feel like Roman Reigns is getting there slowly but surely. They just don't need to give up on him. I do agree with you. It's actually funny. I found on WW2K17 a Roman Reigns um, skin that had basically the American Badass costume on. And I went and altered his moves and uh, added a bunch of Undertaker stuff and gave him the entrance for the Undertaker. And uh, shit you not, I actually think I was pissing off people online with him. Just the fact that I had him dressed up as the Undertaker and I was like choke slamming him and tombstoning him immediately. I made those main moves just to make people mad. It, it was a lot of fun. Anyways, King to you, Juwan. Uh, same question. All right, we've had a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers that kind of represented the company between, you know, your Hulk Hogan's before that, maybe your Bruno San Martino's and your Andre, the giant, uh, you have your, um, uh, your rock, your stone cold, your Cena, your CM Punk, even to an extent, your Shawn Michaels. Uh, those guys have, have, have really brought the company and been their main wrestler is the guy that is that wrestler for this generation there yet. And who is he? And if he's not, what do you think they can do about that? Um, I, I think I agree with Chris. I think he is here. Um, I unfortunately think um, their new uh, it guy will end up being uh, Roman Reigns, except he won't have the same impact that Cena did. Um, I don't see Roman Reigns being transcendent for almost three different eras of, of wrestling. Um, but I do see him being that guy for this generation. Um, Finn Balor, to me, will be as big as CM Punk was. I'd say even bigger. Um, of course, if, you know, keeps his head on his shoulders and stays with 
with wrestling. Um, he's a CM Punk to me. He's somebody that can either be the greatest heel or the greatest face. Um, but he won't be the guy because there's already the guy. Um, but, yeah, so Roman Reigns will be like the John Cena, but he won't have as much of an impact as the guys you were naming before him, um, like a John Cena, like a Shawn Michaels, um, like a Hulk Hogan, like a Bruno San Martino. Um, but he's just he just so happens to be the guy that they're pushing to um, be a John Cena type. But to me, Finn Balor is, is up there. I just don't see them ever putting him over a, a Roman Reigns. So that's why I compared him to, to CM Punk. He'll either be the greatest heel or the greatest face, but he won't be the guy. I can see that. I, I like the uh, – I think Finn Balor is definitely marketable, obviously, because of his whole demon persona. Um, Roman Reigns, I think, has potential, a lot of potential that just has to keep on building. I'm wondering if, if, if they're trying to groom AJ Styles in a way to do that. Uh, Shinsuke's another person, but obviously his lack of English kind of hinders him a little bit. But they're trying to definitely make them, if they're not at least that John Cena, Hulk Hogan top tier, this might be that transition period where you have like a Bret Hart or a Shawn Michaels, which are still some of the greatest wrestlers, just not that big, that humongous of a moneymaker that, you know, Cena and Bruno and and Hulk and Stone Cold and, and The Rock are. But, you know, with John Cena leaving, I think WWE needs to find someone to fill that gap. And there's a lot of wrestlers out there that could do it uh, once they, you know, make their way to WWE, if they make their way to WWE. Maybe Omega can have a huge impact like that. Who knows? Jay Lethal's getting a little bit older, but like I said, he's still a fucking badass. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, let's play this game. Uh, Juwan, you must hate this because I make you uh, – make me remember the rules of the game every time we play it. Uh, but how does this go again? It's your top ten game? All right. So what we'll do is um, we'll, we'll take a list of ten. From the ten, we'll break it down to um, to five, and then from five to three. And then if you guys want, we can break it down to the best wrestler. Um, of today. Number one. But use, yeah, uh, of today. Um, but if you guys want to stop it at the, the best three, we can do the best three. All right, so so basically once we go for ten, someone's going to say a name, and we're all going to either agree or disagree to keep them on the list, and we keep on doing it until we have ten of them on there, so there's no order, and then we keep on breaking them off until we get to one. Do you get that, Chris? I do. Um I guess my question is the setting up of the initial list. Did you guys want to pull off people that made all of our lists? Yeah, I was just yeah, we can pick from our own list. going to be easier. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be easier um, if our lists are somewhat comparable because all we have to then argue is um, whoever from the three but, of our lists that we didn't all agree on. This is very much like the Batman game we played just – Bigger in scale. Yes, gotcha. And a All lot right, harder. so I'll start. <laughs> um, uh, so I'll go first. You'll go second, and then Chris will go third. We'll just keep that rotation going. Sound good? Okay. Yep. All right, so I'm gonna list uh, my first person. Uh, will Mr. Jay Lethal stay on this list? Ah. Uh. 
for top ten right yeah. now. Right now, I'll, I'll say I'll say yes, only because I I would put Jay Lethal over my pick of Jeff Hardy, so I won't necessarily argue that with you. Okay, and are you next? Uh, I'm fine. Oh, wait, that we, you're fine with Lethal, Chris? Yeah. Okay, so Jay Lethal's number ten. Um. All right, so for number nine, I'm going to throw in the Miz. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm okay with the Miz as well because he 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 got bumped out of my list by Ricochet. So I'm fine. Good guy to get All bumped right, up. So, by. So, so we have the we have Jay Lethal at number ten, the Miz at number nine, and now it's your go, Chris, for number eight. Oh man. Number eight, um I just can't not see him putting on this list. I'm I'm gonna say Roman Reigns. Oh man. Uh no. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Dane. I'm gonna say no. Um me letting Jay Lethal get on there uh, definitely stops me from letting Roman Reigns get on there. Um, I, I see it as, as one or the other, mainly because I find it very hard to believe that they're both on the top ten. I do understand why you put Roman Reigns there. I just, I don't know. I feel as though I could pick other people that should make the list um, more so than him. So I'm going to vote no alongside of Dane. I like I like well, before Roman Reigns. Before we before we send Roman Reigns off, I would say if we're talking about past year. Roman Reigns has had bigger matches than some of the people who are going to make this list. So rest in peace, Roman Reigns. Bye from the list. I mean, it's, I don't, it's like not I his said, yard I, tonight. No, it's not his yard. I, I completely I completely understand why you why you want him on the list. I was just saying, like, I already said yes to Jake Lethal, and we can't take him off yet. So, so I, I can't put Roman Reigns and Jay Lethal there because I just feel as though at least one of them shouldn't be on the list. And Roman Reigns just doesn't necessarily do it for me. I understand he's had way bigger matches. I mean, he freaking took out The Undertaker. Um, but I, 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 I'm sorry. I still can't put him on there. It's okay. Hey, don't worry. You might have a uh, a chance to get back at Jawan when he picks Brock Lesnar because I'm shitting all over that one. Just warning you. <laughs> I wasn't even going to pick him, but okay. Yeah, no, you definitely can when I do. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's 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 go to the, uh, my my next pick. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the uh, the Samoan Suplex Machine, uh, Samoa Joe. Yeah, yeah, um, especially his work um, in TNA, then coming over and just demolishing NXT and then um, bringing that, that kind of swagger over to the main roster. Um, and then what he showed me was having little fear going up uh, against Brock Lesnar. He definitely, uh, for right now, definitely deserves to, to make this list. 
agree with Samoa Joe. Yeah, I'm completely fine with Samoa Joe making this list. All right, we got Samoa Joe right. at eight. We got the Miz at nine. We got yep. Jay Lethal at ten. What's your next one, Juwan? I'm going to go Randy Orton. Um, I didn't want to forget to put him on, and I'm fine with him being uh, that low. Um, but I'm definitely uh, putting Randy Orton up there. Chris, what do you think? I think Randy Orton hasn't been good in five years, so I'm not making my list. I'm also going to go for a no. I liked him back when he was heel, Randy Orton, but I've not really been impressed with him lately. And he said some dick shit about indie wrestling. I don't necessarily disagree with you guys. He's just one of my favorite all-time wrestlers, so I threw him out there. But um, I don't, I don't disagree with you, Chris, that he hasn't been um, that good uh, in, in five years. I, I literally, I, I tried to find something to to argue about with you, but I can't, in all honesty, disagree with that at all. Well, isn't that humble of him, Chris? Who, who do you have? Oh man, this might be early, but I got I got Kevin Owens for going up my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yep, yep. All right, this might be a little bit divisive, uh, but I'm gonna say Finn Balor. Damn it, Dan! Why'd you why'd you say it so early? He should have should have been our, our our number one for right now. But uh, yeah, Finn Balor definitely makes the list. Finn makes it for me as well. Uh, I don't have enough deck to take him off. He was in my honorable mention. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to win that battle either way. I just want to see more from him. I'm fine. Okay. Uh, all right. You, Juwan. I'm going to go AJ Styles. Absolutely. I can't, I can't disagree with Styles. Thank you. I mean, right, e- even. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, we're getting towards the top of my list, so let's do NATO. I want to say yes to NATO. Ah, uh, let me look over my list. He's like one of my top honorable mentions too. All right, I've gotten. Go on, you go, damn it. Booty, I, I didn't hear who, who Chris said. He broke up a little bit on my end. Tetsuo Nato. You don't know him at all. Uh, yeah, no, I have no idea. <laughs> he was ranked so number 12 of the top 500 wrestlers by PWI last year. He's a former IWGP heavyweight title holder. He was a former Intercontinental title holder. Tag you know what? You know what? I, I'm going to say this. Since I gave you flack for, for Roman Reigns, um, I'll give you this one. So I'll, I'll vote with you, Chris. I'll let Nato stay on the list. All right, we're on three. Uh, if that means that's my choice, I definitely have to say. Oh, man. There's no way I can have this list without having Kenny Omega. 
What number are we at? Three. Three? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's possibly yeah. what? The biggest name in wrestling right now? I am perfectly Arguably, fine with yeah. you, man. Yeah. All right. So, we got Omega on the list. Um, that was going to say. Uh, now it's your turn, um, Juwan. All right. It looks like we're getting close to making a list without this guy, and this guy needs to be on the goddamn list, even though from what Chris was saying about Orton, maybe not. But I'm going to definitely say um, I'm going to waste my pick on this guy, even though I wanted to say Seth Rollins. I'm going to say John Cena. Ah, man, don't do that to me. Hey, if you listen, said Seth man. Rollins, I would say yes. But now you're saying John Cena, I'm like contemplating. Chris, you, you go first. I, I can't do this right now. To be completely honest, I would put John Cena on the list before Seth Rollins. The only reason John Cena didn't make my top ten is that he's not – he hasn't been active this whole year. I was looking at this from for like 2016 to 2017, so how active it was played into it. But if I'm just doing like big matches, like John versus AJ Styles was pretty damn off. Three matches they had. Yeah. I mean, he had Rodney was here, and me, I could I could live without Seth Rollins on this list. So even elimination okay with John Chamber, and that was a huge match, but he was a big reason why that match was badass. All right, yeah, John Cena's on the list. We are down to number one, and you get to pick it, Chris. Choose wisely. Kazuchika Okada. I have to say yes, but I'm weird. I don't know what Juwan's going to say because he doesn't know Okada. Um, I, kn- I know, like, a little bit about Okada. I just don't know if I necessarily – and I might be alone on this, which is completely fine. Oh, wait. Hey, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. How... Did, you, did you ever did you ever see Okada and Tanahashi when they were signed with TNA back in the day? Yeah, I saw a little bit. Of, I saw a little bit of that. So that's probably your exposure to him. Okay, I was just wondering. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I was only only reason why Chris, I'm even a little bit um, hesitant about putting him um, on the list is because I find it very hard to have a top ten of right now. And Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't make it at all. So, I mean, if I'm alone on that, that's completely fine. That's completely fine. We can move on to to breaking it down to top five. But I have to go against it because Shinsuke Nakamura um, deserves to be on this list, in my opinion. Uh, All right, well, does that mean that we we have the group choice? But you're just saying differently? Like, do we have to change it now? No, 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 no. If if you two are, are, are good with Okada, then I, I lose out because it's two against one. But if either one of you are, you know, on the fence about it and would take um, Nakamura over Okada, then um, then it's a different story. But if you guys are going Okada, like I said, I it's two to one. So that's that's it. You know, I, I lose out on that one. I was just saying, I think Nakamura needs to make this this list. Now, I would argue Nakamura deserves to make it at least at number ten over Jay Lethal. That I would try to argue. But like I said, if you guys are completely fine with him not making the list, 
then I'm good. We can move on. Well, how do you feel, Chris? I think Okada's going to go over. Um, I think Okada for me goes over Shinsuke, but Shinsuke is a badass wrestler. Seth Rollins, another one we're forgetting about. How do you feel? Uh, I was going to say I, Okada, Okada never Nakamura for me. Uh, just based on Nakamura's WWE stuff, if I was going back all like 2011 and run, then we might be talking a little bit differently, but. Right now, Okada has had, what, five five-star matches in just this year. So it's going to be hard for me to pick against him in general. But as far as knocking Jay Lethal off or Nakamura, I'm completely fine with see the reasoning behind that. All right, so are we doing Shinsuke instead of Jay Lethal? Is everyone all right with that? Yeah. All right, so let me go over the list, guys. We got 10, Shinsuke Nakamura, 9, The Miz, 8, Samoa Joe, 7, KO, 6, Finn Balor, 5, AJ Styles, 4, Tetsuya Nato, 3, Kenny Omega, 2, John Cena, and number 1, Okada. I got to say that I am actually really happy with this list. Um, it sucks not having Seth Rollins or Jay Lethal on there and maybe uh, Tanahashi, but this is a great list of 10 wrestlers from today. So, now let's be assholes and get rid of five of them. Um, I'm not sure who went last. Um, I Chris, went. Chris went last. So, I'm picking, a, I'm picking now a wrestler out of these guys to take off the list, right? Yes, sir. All right. Um... I am going to go with um this is really hard. Really fucking hard. This might be the hardest one that we've done. Oh shit, we got ten minutes. We gotta do this pretty quickly, guys. Um Alright, I'll say uh Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> mainly because he was just my pick. <laughs> so so Chris says yes, and he's out. But <laughs> I'm going to say no. Oh, man. Um, God. There's, I just I don't want anyone else to really leave this list. Um, uh, yeah, take him off. All right. Uh, wait, is gone. before you take him off, before you take him off, I just want to ask you this, 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 Chris. Everything you were just saying about um, Cena and him being absent with, within the past year, you'd still keep Cena and take off Nakamura? If we're taking five off, I have to make that decision further down the road because there's some people that I'm going to have to fight harder for than Nakamura on this list. I can find yeah. that. Not only that, we got less <laughs> okay. than ten minutes to be able to pull this off, so probably got to do yeah. a little bit of speedster. So, uh, Juwan, which one would you pick off? John Cena. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, uh, yeah, I guess so. He hasn't... Yeah, yeah, that's fine with me. Chris? I'm okay with taking them. All right, John Cena is off the list. All right, uh, now, Chris, you choose one. 
The Miz. I'm okay with that. Do you want? I'm sorry. I I completely missed who he said. The Miz. And I said that was fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. That's fine. All right. Uh, Tetsuya Nato. I'm sorry, Chris. I don't know enough of him to keep him on the list against all these other guys. That's my choice. Yeah, Nato's off. Nato is losing out by non-knowledge right now. This sucks, but okay. I know. I know. Lack of knowledge. I'm sorry. All right, so we got six. All right, so now you got a hard one, Juwan. You got Samoa Joe, KO, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, and Okata. Pick one. I'm going to go Kevin Owens. Oh! Oh, my God. Uh, Chris, you go first. <sighs> How many people do we have left on this list in general? Six? I think six. Six. I'm fine with going Kevin Owens here because then I can save Okada or Omega. So I'm, I'm going to let Kevin Owens go. Because <laughs> I'm not going to win. All right, it's your turn. Are you? so. um, we're down to five. Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, and Kazuo Okada. All right. Um, it's my turn, I think. Or is it Chris's turn? Chris's turn. It's Chris's turn. Samoa Joe. Yes, absolutely. I'm okay with that. Absolutely. All right. This is now now it's a lot harder. We're down to four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, I'm actually gonna pick Finn Balor. Did you say Dane? I said I picked Finn Balor. Oh, shit. Hell no. Hell no. I can't let Finn Balor go. Who else is left? Okada? AJ Styles, Okada, uh, and Omega. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. See, I don't want Finn Balor to go, man. Man, damn you, Chris. It's just Okada pick. Hey, he's my, he's my number three pick, too. Uh, God damn both of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming Finn Balor is good for you to go, Chris. With the three that's left on that list, I, I can't put Finn above AJ, and I can't be in Kenny Omega and Okada are the, the two best. Uh, Goodbye, Finn Balor. Hey, I love I love Finn Balor. I really do. Okay, we got AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, Okada. Um, I think it's Chris's turn. Or, no, 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 it's my guess. Are we going all the way to number one? Yes, we are. If we have the time to. Yep. Okay. All right. Okada's gone. Omega, to me, transcends well, wrestling, and AJ Styles, to me, is just phenomenal. I'm going to agree with them, and even though I think Okada is amazing, on my list, he was three after AJ and Omega. All right. Goodbye, Okada. Just know you're number one at on my list and in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, guys. Make the we are. Decision. Chris, do you pick AJ Styles to get rid of or Omega? Yeah, bye, AJ. See you, man. And I agree, actually, with that because I think Kenny Omega is that good. 
that was it. That was that was great, guys. I really like that. Kenny Omega is the greatest of of right now. Um, yeah, I think he transcends wrestling. He's gonna be a big star. He might be able to be the guy that leads WWE once he makes his way over there. If, unless he's 40. But then again, AJ's 40, and he's whooping ass. But anyways, guys, it's yes, been a fun is. fucking... It's been a great show. We went over a lot of stuff. We had a lot of fun, a lot of conjecturing. Uh, it, it sounded like we were in a wind tunnel a little bit on uh, Juwan's end. I think he's on the beach. I'm not 100% sure. Um, Sorry. But, you know, it's all right. It, 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 it's fine. But, um, yeah, great episode. Uh, Chris, do you have any closing statements you want to say? Actually, no, man. I think we hit pretty much everything. It was great, Joe. I had fun as always. Uh, Omega made up one, so see where do we go from there? I have no idea. Uh, remember, always, obviously, always watch Wrestling Geeks Alliance every Wednesday, eight o'clock. We go over some wrestling. Me and Chris and Jawan, and me and Jawan have a show also. Geek Five Live, Sun, no Saturday nights, eight o'clock. Uh, we have the wonderful voice of Wonder Woman. What's the actress's name again, Joan? Susan Eisenberg. Susan Eisenberg. She played her on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. We're doing a whole entire interview. Definitely check it out. Two hours, 8 o'clock, Saturday night, Geek Vibes Live. And, of course, Joan, one of my captains on the ship, uh, say, say, say something to the uh, viewers and a little goodbye if you will. Um, yeah, again, sorry about being late, guys. Um Love talking with you guys. This is definitely um, my favorite show, and I just want to make it. I just want to make it known. I called John Cena versus Nakamura uh, rivalry for the WWE title. I called it um, before it even happens. I'm just saying, and love doing the show with you guys tonight. I would absolutely love that concept, and I think that would be brilliant, especially if they're trying to push Nakamura. Nakamura, goddamn! All right, well. <laughs> the show, I'm going to play a song like I normally do, uh, but this one's one that you might not know. The opening one was actually Kenny Omega's, and this is the IWGP heavyweight champion, Mr. Okada. Have a wonderful night. Geek 5 Nation.